Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And today we're going to be talking about The Gunfighters, which is a first Doctor, William Hartnell story. Uh, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Before we do, I want to remind everybody, we're from the website, geekshowentertainment.com, where we like geeky stuff and occasionally we talk about said geeky stuff like Doctor Who on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion, as well as Movie Night at Geek Show and a bunch of other ones. You can listen to those <laughs> podcasts by on the website or subscribe to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes, articles, and audio blogs that we regularly post on the site. If you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, even if you don't, help us out. By leaving an iTunes review because iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's tdc as in the initials for The Doctor's Companion. All right, so there's that. And what is the background and significance for this, uh, for this episode? Uh, okay, well, we got a couple. Um, the doc- the Gunfighters comes from Doctor Who's third season, which is a very eclectic, weird, interesting stu- se- uh, season. It features three different producers, three different script editors, and um, uh, the departure of the companions on the show, um, uh, leading to a complete overhaul when Patrick Troughton takes over at the beginning of the next season. Um, so the Gunfighters is weird. It's a Western Uh, It comes towards the tail end of a season that's featured a sci-fi story that's taken place over the course of, I think it's something like 5,000 years, uh, a surrealist nightmare in the Celestial Toymaker, um, a very weird, bleak historical drama, a high comedy uh, 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 Greek myth story, and a 12-part Dalek story. So it's an entire episode that does not feature the Doctor or his companion. So... It's a little weird. Uh, it's a little different. Um, uh, we're talking Stephen and Dodo at this point. Uh, Stephen, we talked about probably last with the Time Meddler, I think. Dodo, we, I guess, saw depart in The War Machines. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we're, also, we're also seeing Hartnell uh, kind of come back after a while. This is also really early in the production tenure of, I, uh, I believe it's... Uh, well, it's producer Innes Lloyd who would take over for the heart uh, over the Trouton years, uh, specifically through the first two Trouton years, and then he kind of uh, phased out at the end of the of the second se- of Trouton's second season. Um, and script editor Jerry Davis, um, and they're really pushing a completely new Doctor Who at this point. Uh, what makes it interesting, though, is this is a story that was commissioned by the previous team of I think it was. Uh, producer John Wilde and Donald Tosh as script editor. Um, they want they wanted they called back the writer of this story, Donald Cotton, to do something that akin to what he did in The Myth Makers, which was a story about the Trojan War. Um, so he they brought him in to do something like a historical story. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> this story is not well received at all by many people. I I feel like now it's coming back on DVD. I feel like some people are appreciating it a bit more. But this is one of the stories that was replayed between Tom Baker's last season and Peter Davison's first season, and people have just hated this story. It's so often maligned and hated. Uh, I personally love it. Scott, I know you don't like it, uh, which will lead to... (laughs) It's going to lead to a very interesting discussion. Um, But this this is the story that actually kicked away historicals 
pretty much for good. Um, Ennis Lloyd didn't really think that people wanted to see historical stories and were watching Doctor Who for aliens, monsters, and bug-eyed creatures, uh, also Daleks. Um, so he used this as an excuse to um, to kind of be to push historicals aside. I mean, the only historical we have after this is the Highlanders. And then for pure historical, you have to wait until I think it's Black Orchid in Peter Davison's, uh, Peter Davison's first season. So historicals go away for like 15 years. Um, uh, so this didn't, it was not well received by the fans. Uh, it has a small vocal minority, I guess, who support it and think it's really great. Um, and it, did not and it suffered really poor ratings but not the poorest of doctor who so it's weird it's very experimental i think they're really pushing doctor who in a different direction um and uh and yeah it also is the final story written by donald cotton which is unfortunate because i think he's actually rather good um so that's the gunfighters we'll talk about it but more in just a minute uh but there you go also an interesting bit of uh trivia uh Doc Holliday in this, um, played by Anthony Jacobs, whose son visited the set during the production of this, and 30 years later, Matthew Jacobs would write the script for the 1996 Doctor Who television movie. That's crazy. Yep. That's crazy. Uh, Other bit of trivia that's really cool. Um, The guy who plays Johnny Ringo, I don't remember his name, but um, the role was originally offered to Patrick Troughton, and Troughton turned it down. Or couldn't make it work or something like that. If he turned it uh, down, rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be a painful episode. Okay. <laughs> um, also, Charlie the Barman was played by David Graham, who was uh, best known as the voice of most Daleks at the time. Mm, interesting. So, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, uh, before we start talking about uh, the gunfighters... I want to remind everybody that we are sponsored by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase Geek Show's Book of the Month, which is Fell, Volume 1, A Feral City by Warren Ellis and Ben Templesmith. This book is available for only $9.29, which is 38% off the suggested retail price of fourteen ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So uh, go to InStockTrades.com and buy lots of, lots of comic books. Do that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, also, okay. So, yeah, the the we're, we have an episode to talk about the gunfighters. Um, here's my problem with this. This isn't Doctor Who. This is like this is like this is like Doctor Who trying to do Star Trek. And sure. I'm not. I don't subscribe to that at all because the reason why. St- like a a old west episode of star trek would work is because you have characters like captain kirk but in doctor who you don't have that you don't have a captain kirk you know like it so it just doesn't it doesn't work for me i like the concept of uh the doctor being mistaken for doc holiday mm-hmm. i think that's really clever but the problem is that it doesn't work with William Hartnell's Doctor, I think. Um, hmm. Also, this through most of this story, I feel like William Hartnell is just kind of treated as a senile old man that doesn't know what the hell is going on. And that bugs me because, I don't know, that just bugs me. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um... I think you're right. I think it's a, it's a very well, it's a very different Doctor Who. And what's interesting, I think, especially as you watch more Hartnell, and if you watch all of Hartnell in order, you can kind of see them experimenting with uh, different uh, styles and forms and trying to figure out like what you could do with Doctor Who. That's why I kind of like this story because it's it's very weird. I mean, uh, the gunfight at the end, there's absolutely no Doctor or Steven in it. Like, Dodo is literally used for stakes in one moment. Um, so they kind of go away in a while. And I'll agree that I think that Hartnell is treated poorly in the story by the characters. But in terms of Hartnell, I'm pretty sure this is the best Hartnell I've ever seen. Um, I just think he's genius in this. I think he's 
very funny. He's having a total blast. Like you can tell he's having a really good time and he's really putting a lot of himself into it. And I just, I, I love Hartnell in this. I think, I think he's, I think he's genius. Um, and it's really one, I really think it's one of his best stories, hands down. Um, not even, not necessarily from an era standpoint. Um, I think there's stories in the era that I like more. Like I definitely like Marco Polo more, but in terms of episodes that show off Hartnell, you're, I, I think you're really hard pressed to find off one, find one that shows him off more than this one does. Huh. Personally. I mean, I've yet to see any other Hartnell episodes, uh, you know, other than the ones that I've watched here. Uh, sure. But I I don't know. I like Hartnell in both the other Hartnell stories that we've seen more than I do here. Mm-hmm. Well, so. I mean, it also, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like really pretentious or anything, even though I'm probably going to end up sounding like that. Um, but it's not meant to be pretentious. But like after watching a, this, I watched this after watching a lot of Hartnell and Hartnell had grown on me a lot by that point. Like I consistently say that Hartnell is probably my least favorite doctor, but watching this again, I'm just struck by how much I love him. And I, I don't know. I, the more I watch him, the more I like him. And this is really something that he's so comfortable in the role and he's so funny. And like, he's so funny in this ranging everything from like silly, wacky humor to, um, a, a bit more dark humor. Like when he, touches the bartender's body in episode four. I think, I think it's, I just, I just think he's genius. Um, uh, then again, there's, there's a lot of Hartnell that you haven't seen yet. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those stories that, uh, I threw in too early. Uh, maybe it's something that you'll appreciate eventually, but I don't know. I, I really, I love Hartnell in this. I think he's genius. I think he's so, so brilliant. And all he does. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Let's, uh, I guess let's start talking about, uh, episode one, which was called what? A Holiday for the Doctor. A Holiday for the Doctor. That's right. <laughs> which is weird, considering I don't know how many holidays you've taken, but when I take a holiday, I don't tend to go to the dentist. <laughs> well, I don't think, I don't think that was intentional. I think that he just got a random toothache and was just like, well, I need to take care of this. And gets um, it pulled with no anesthetic. <laughs> well, well, it's funny because he, he doesn't actually want to take care of the toothache at all. I mean, he's literally like, oh, I think my tooth's a little better. Um, and constantly is like, no, 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 I don't think I have to do this. And it's only at the insistence of Dodo and Steven that um, he actually gets pushed off into doing it, which I think is hilarious. Um, anyways, uh, so let's start off part one holiday for the doctor. The doc, we arrive at the okay corral. And the first thing we see are these cowboys riding into town. Um, these cowboys are the Clantons, uh, the Clanton family. Um, and they're looking for doc holiday. So they show up at the town and they burst it. They go to the local saloon establishment and start drinking and talking about how they're going to hunt down doc holiday. Um, that I think is interesting, especially because um, I was reading Running Through Corridors about this. Running Through Corridors is the Robert Shearman, Toby Haydock, uh Doctor Who in, se- in sequence book, which I highly recommend to everybody, uh, except you, Scott, for reasons I'll, you'll find out in a couple months. Um, <laughs> uh, Christmas is coming. Um, so I, I think it's interesting because this story is, for one thing, it is not historically accurate at all. Um <laughs> it it takes a lot of liberties with history, but it's also like right from the get go, it's very much uh, telling you that this is not a story about the Doctor. It's a story about the Clantons wanting to hunt and kill Doc Holliday, and all that happens is the Doctor gets confused with Doc Holliday, which is which is rather funny. Um, so I mean, it tells you that right off the top. Uh, we also get the Doctor, Dodo, and Stephen arriving. Um, and Dodo and Steven are overjoyed that they're in the Old West, and they start acting all pantomime and silly and getting all dressed up in the period and and uh, getting six-shooter guns, and I, I, I think it's funny. I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge Dodo fan, but I think she's actually pretty good in this, um, <laughs> comparatively. Uh, I've, I yeah. ha- I've only seen her half a story. Other than this. 
Yeah, she's like, I don't know, again, she's like a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy, but in this, like, I don't know, she has a pretty cool moment in episode three, I think it is. Um, but she, I don't know, I think she's fun. Like, she's just, like, you can tell that everyone who's involved in this is having a really good time, and I kind of like that. I mean, it's just fun, rompy funness. Um, and she has a hat, which is cool, but she gives that to the doctor. Um... <laughs> It looks better on him. It it does. I mean, <laughs> Hartnell, I mean, I I love Hartnell, how he looks in this. Like, he looks like a total old school cowboy. He does. Um, it wasn't until you put the hat on him that I was like, huh. <laughs> like, that was literally, I was just like, oh, look at that. He dresses <laughs> like a cowboy. <laughs> in general. And once you put the hat on, it's just different. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, yeah. It's, it's weird how... He's just malleable like that. Um, and then, like, I don't know. I've never thought about it after this, and I probably never will. But whenever I see the story, I'm like, oh, yeah, he dresses like a cowboy. Um, so, anyways, the doctor, <laughs> the doctor, Dodo and Steven are interrupted by Wyatt Earp, who is the local marshal sheriff in town. And he was warning them that the Clantons are in town and that they should be wary because the Clantons are, I guess, jerks. Um... Meanwhile, uh, we're introduced to Kate, who's the chanteuse at the at the saloon. That's a that's a proper term, right? Chanteuse, is it? I think. Okay, because it's I don't want to be offending too many people by saying the word chanteuse on this podcast. Um, <laughs> you you never know. Um, and Kate finds out about the Clantons and he overhears them talking about wanting to go kill Doc Holliday. So she runs off to Doc Holliday, who she's like totally madly in love with. And Doc Holliday is like apparently totally mad- madly in love with her. And, and, um, she meets with him and it turns out that he set up a respectable dentistry shop, which is, which is good. Although how he got a license for that is beyond me. Um, and, uh, while this is going on, the doctor, Steven and Dodo arrive in the middle of town and the doctor <laughs> introduces his companions as Miss Dodo DuPont, Wizard of the Ivory Keys, <laughs> Stephen Regret Tenor, and uh, he's Doctor Kenningly. And then the guy goes Doctor Who, and he says exactly, which is I think that's hilarious. I mean, I don't know. Hartnell's comic timing is genius. Um, <laughs> and he uh, Hartnell, uh, not Hartnell, the doctor walks in on Kate and Doc Holliday because he needs to get his tooth pulled because he has a toothache. And uh, uh, funny, funny scene. Like, Doc Holliday offers him anesthetic by offering the butt of his gun to say, I could knock you out for this. Um, or I could offer you some whiskey. And Hartnell's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Meanwhile, while this is going on, Dodo and Steven go into the go into the local saloon. They book a room. And they over they talk a bit about the doctor. They're they're harassed by the Clantons who are really into Dodo, I guess. I don't know. They think she's hot or something. Really? And um and they they think they suspect her and Steven of being friends of Doc Holiday, so they get they get together, they pull guns on them and say, Why don't you sing and dance for us while we wait for Doc Holiday to show up? And they send one of the Clantons off to go visit uh the doctor to see if who's who's the real doc holiday and while this is going on uh holiday has successfully pulled the doctor's tooth and goes off to talk to kate and the clanton brother walks in and talks to the doctor and instantly says oh you're probably doc holiday and through a a miscommunication says oh this is doc holiday and then says hey why don't you go to the saloon i'll buy you a drink and the doctor's so overjoyed at this um (laughs) <laughs> Not for getting a drink, but for getting a glass of milk. And um, Holiday overhears this, and when the Clanton brother has left, he uses the situation to his advantage and gives the doctor his six shooter and says, "Hey, this is a this is a friendly parting, and just give it to me when you leave town, and it'll be cool." But what he doesn't realize is that um, that he's just set up the doctor, or what the doctor doesn't realize is that Holiday has just set him up to take a fall to get shot by the Clantons when the doctor enters the saloon. And what we what we end in is this really I I've been thinking about this cliffhanger a lot because it takes a lot for a cliffhanger to impress me. But this cliffhanger is genius. I, I maybe maybe you'll disagree, but any other cliffhanger would do. The doctor walks in, and all the Clantons pull their guns on him, and then we're like, "Oh no, the doctor's in trouble." But they cut out like a minute early, so that all we're left on is 
the the Clantons are holding Steven at gunpoint while he sings the Ballad of the Last Chance Saloon, which we'll talk about eventually. Um, Dodo playing the piano, which is weird that she can play the piano so well. And um, the Doctor She's kind a of walking of the down the keys. Matt, well, you know, Wizard of the Ivory Keys. She just abracadabras that. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's in her backstory. Um, and uh, we, we're left with the Doctor kind of walking towards this uh, his apparent doom. And I like that because it's very much like uh, as soon as it ends, I'm instantly like, oh, crap, what's happening next? And I just, you know, I can't wait. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Um... I uh, I like the idea of the cliffhanger. I don't think it was directed well. Sure, sure. Yeah. I can see that. I think it could have been. That. I think it could have been directed a little more uh, dramatically. It was dire- instead. It was directed. Um. It was focusing on the comedy of Stephen singing the song over and over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead well, of, it- yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a comic story. I mean, I probably should have mentioned that before, but um, it is it is a comic story. It's very interested in the comedy of the scene, and I don't know. Normally, I hate that, but I don't really mind it here because it's so on the nose or something. Um, I don't know. Yeah, don't no. Know. <laughs> um, uh, so we come back, episode two, Don't Shoot the Pianist, which is a funny title, um, I guess I'm not a huge fan of this title. I'm not a huge fan of episode titles anyway, so whatever. Um, we come back. Doc Holliday is elated that the doctor is going to take the fall for him. And he goes to talk to Kate, but she's left. And she leaves a note saying she's gone back to the last chance saloon. And Kate shows up before the doctor, takes command, puts Steven on the piano. And apparently Steven could play the piano really good. Uh, Steven sends Dodo upstairs because she clearly doesn't understand that these people are dangerous. Um, which... I find hilarious. Um, Why so are Kate all starts. the women on, on in these early Doctor Who episodes like basically children? Like they have the mental capacity of children. Well, I mean, Dodo specifically. I mean, if you think about it, Susan was designed to be like the student person who was all learning about life and math and stuff. Um, and then Vicky was a photocopy of Susan, who was also around to be taught things, even though she was really smart, like she was supposed to be broadening her horizons. And Dodo, in a very similar way, is the photocopy of Vicky, who is a photocopy of Susan. So Dodo is also the young student girl to the doctor's mentor. Um, so I guess that's how that works out. I don't know. It's 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 a weird thing that isn't great. Then again, you could also use the argument that it's the 60s and uh, women's lib wasn't as popular. So... It's really unfortunate. (laughs) Well, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, I can't can't argue that. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so Kate Coyote uglies up on the up on the bar, and she's dancing, and the doctor enters, and when the song ends, he claps, and the Clantons get really fierce all of a sudden and start drawing their guns and pointing out that he's Doc Holliday, and somehow in the middle of this, I don't know how this happened, but Doc Holliday snuck into the saloon and climbed the stairs to the top of the, to the top, um, like, like, corridor area that le- that leads to the rooms of the hotel and has managed to pull out one of his little derringer guns and like just stands there like ready and waiting ready to jump into action if anything bad happens because he's worried about kate and kate steps in and goes you can't shoot him he's not really doc holiday and the doctor draws his gun and waves it because he's like i don't even know how to shoot this gun and in the midst of this a gunshot goes off and one guy gets one of the clans gets pegged in the arm but it turns out and this is not clear but um it turns out that holiday shot the guy but it looked like the doctor shot shot him while blind firing so all these people are are suddenly kind of scared of the doctor and Dodo runs out of the room. She's startled by the gunshot, and Holiday takes the opportunity to, to grab her and drag her back to the room because you know now is not the time for her to get involved. And well, and then uh, immediately after this, Wider bursts in with his uh, deputy Masterson, and they break all this up. They lead the doctor away, and um, 
and lock him up because they're like, it is not safe for you because we know you're not Doc Holliday because Wyatt Earp is friends with Doc Holliday. Um, laid him away and, and take him off to jail. Meanwhile, Holiday returns to his office. Wyatt Earp meets him. They talk about how Holiday needs to leave and this is really bad. And Holiday's like, I just set up my dentistry practice. Don't make me move. And, you know, moving's really hard, so I don't blame him for that. And, um... While this is going on, the Clantons stay downstairs. They hold, they keep Stephen at gunpoint and convince him to give a gun to the doctor so he can shoot his way out of his cell. And Stephen does, gives the gun to the doctor, and <laughs> the doctor takes the opportunity to hand the gun over to Wyatt Earp because he just doesn't need it. Um, and the Clant- and while this is going on, Stephen returns to find that the Clantons have roused a crowd and a mob. They tie Stephen up and prep to storm the jailhouse to demand that they turn over the doctor who is Doc Holliday, who they think is Doc Holliday. And, um, and so they put Steven on a horse, which I don't know how they got a horse onto this set, but they did. Um, and, uh, in the midst of this confusion, as they're going over to the, to the jail cell, excuse me, uh, Holliday takes the opportunity to flee and comes across one of the lone Clantons in, who left behind, who stayed behind the bar. And, just guns him down which i don't know is kind of awesome i don't know it's one of those things where i feel and i'm I'm sure you're going to disagree with me where i feel like this story does a very interesting job job in juggling its tones where it'll be very comedic at one moment and not and being very playful and silly and irreverential and then all of a sudden it'll take this weird tonal shift and become really serious as holiday like guns someone down um i don't know and i feel like Rex Tucker uh, did a decent job with that in terms of making things suddenly impactful or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I have a feeling you're not agreeing with anything, um, which I guess is fine. Uh, meanwhile, the doctor lets himself out of the jail cell as the mob arrive, and the Clantons deliver an ultimatum and say, "Turn over Doc Holiday, or we're going to string up Stephen." And we're left on a cliffhanger of the doctor uh, being talked to by Wyatt Earp and Masterson, and they're like, "What are you going to do?" Because either the doctor turns himself over and gets killed, or Stephen gets killed. So not good. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that ends. Um, but yeah, episode two, it's a slow story, but it's good, I find. <laughs> and I don't agree. At all. At all. That's amazing. I, uh, maybe, maybe you'll come back to it at some point and like it more. Um, anyways, we come back, episode three, Johnny Ringo. Uh, Wyatt Earp sneaks out the back, gets around the crowd, and manages to knock out one of the Clantons, which I'll point out because I think it's hilarious. He um he lifts the Clanton's head like hat off, knocks him on the back of the head, and puts the hat back before the Cl- the Clanton gets knocked out, which is funny. Um, <laughs> and and uh while and then uh, while this is going on, the sh- uh, Wyatt Earp has taken control of the situation and the bartender runs out and says, oh, the doctor isn't really Doc Holliday. Doc Holliday just shot down one of your brothers and um, and the Clantons are freaked out and suddenly are no longer interested in the doctor. And Wyatt Earp takes the guy he knocked out into the jail cell into arrest. And I'm going to use this opportunity to talk about uh, what is arguably the most reviled part of this story, which is the Ballad of the Last Chance Saloon. <clears throat> Which I'll admit is overused, but the lyric on this part is is so preposterous. And going into this, it does a lot of empty narration that I don't feel accomplishes much. But <laughs> this lyric is literally something like, "So pick him up gently, so pick him up slow." This uh, this scoundrel of a Clinton fell under Earp's what mighty blow, which is so completely ridiculous to be narrated while Wyatt Earp and a couple of people are carrying him into the um into the jail cell. I just I love that. I just think it's ridiculous. Um it's it's awful. <laughs> it's really it's really <laughs> awful. So basically we haven't talked about this, but basically this song the uh the what is it called? The Ballad of the Last Chance Saloon. Yeah. 
it is like sections of it are played in between scenes as like a uh it's like a musical uh transition between scenes and it's awful and horrible and i hate it and i cringe every time that it starts playing that's fine yep i can't defend it i mean i'm i i didn't like it at first and then i started the the lyrics in certain episodes are i just genius because they're so completely insane um but see i don't think that's good i don't think that's a good thing like because that's I don't know, man. Because that's that's like liking that's liking something ironically, and like I'm not, I can't, I no. There's nothing about Doctor Who I want to like ironically, including in, including like stupid lyrics to a song that has no place in the show. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I think on a purely experimental level i like that they tried something different i mean that's the thing that i really no i you know, i can respect it. them for trying something different that doesn't mean i have to like it sure yeah no i gotcha i, I gotcha i don't i don't like that they made this episode i'm glad they did it and got it out of their system and realized that it doesn't work because they never did it again so that's good <laughs> but i don't like this episode i just don't that's fine yeah. that's fine you're allowed to um so let's see. So uh, after this happens, Pa Clanton shows up. He demands that the Clanton boys bring in this nefarious ruffian named Johnny Ringo, um, eh, who they want to uh, pay five hundred dollars to execute Doc Holliday. Uh, I also think this scene is hilarious because these people drink like nothing else, like. <laughs> They just burst into the bar. That was they say, ridiculous. <laughs> like, okay, I was watching with this with Bethany, my girlfriend, and we were watching this, and every time they took another shot, our mouths dropped open farther. Because <laughs> we were just like, they're just drink. They take a shot, and they're just like, so I think, and then they take another shot, that we really should, and then take another shot, go after, and then take another shot. <laughs> <laughs> They're drinking it literally as fast as the bartender can pour them. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, they each drink, like, I think we counted, like, five or six shots apiece and then yeah. go on uh, go on a hunt for Johnny Ringo. <laughs> it's like, guys, even if you find him, you're going to be shooting at the sky. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Either that or your blood is made of gasoline. That's the only way... <laughs> that you're not going to be passed out in about three minutes. Yeah, it's like totally the most ridiculous drinking scene I've seen in a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I kind of—I mean, I—I I keep noticing it, but I keep forgetting—I kept forgetting to mention it whenever I was watching it or blogging it. But oh my god, I was just like, "Good lord!" <laughs> like, show some moderation or set a good example, Paul Clanton. Like, seriously, seriously. Oh my god. Um, so as they leave, Stephen and the Doctor come in. They talk about how do- they want to get Dodo so they can just book out of there. Um, and the bartender reveals that Holiday abducted Dodo. And while this has all been going on, Holiday, Dodo, and Kate arrive in a- the next town over. And they check into the local hotel. And and Dodo and Holiday leaves while Dodo and Kate talk about some stuff about like you know, does Kate really love him? Is she really that into him? And <laughs> While this is going on, Holiday just guns down this guy for no reason, seemingly to just steal his breakfast, which is hysterical. Um, and they're trying to keep a low profile. I love that Holiday just kills someone for no reason. Um, meanwhile, uh, Johnny Ringo rolls into the Last Chance Saloon, which is the saloon in, in town, and you can tell how tough he is by how he lights his cigarette by um, just holding it over an oil lamp, which I don't know if that would work. Um, it feels like, it feels like he would literally be lighting it based on the smoke of someone else or something. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but all of a sudden Ringo starts talking to the bartender. The bartender is scared out of his mind and is like, you're Johnny Ringo. Holy crap. Uh, but I'm trying not to be scared. And Ringo finds out all his, all he needs to know about the Clantons and how the Clantons are hiring him to take down Wyatt Earp because Wyatt Earp stole their... Stole the brother Clanton who got knocked out. Um, 
But he has his own score to settle with Doc Holliday, and it turns out that the clans are also going after Doc Holliday, so this works out for Ringo. So Ringo gets up, (laughs) walks up the stairs, and literally for no reason turns around and just guns down the bartender dead, Uh, which I thought was badass. Um, uh, I don't know. I like his performance as Johnny Ringo, I think it's I think it's strong. Not as strong as say Patrick Troughton would have done, but hey, Patrick Troughton. Um <laughs> but it's interesting. Also vaguely effeminate. Um Yes. Which I thought I'd point out. A little it's like a little on the uh how do I say this? A little on the let's go down to the bar that's called the no the nightclub called uh, the nightclub and the nightclub is called the flame. Like it's it's about there. Um and he dresses up like a cowboy. So, <laughs> that. Um, it's also it's also weird, again, that the tone takes such an interesting shift. I mean, the, the, sh- the story for, like, two and a half episodes has been, you know, va- broadly comedic and silly and fun and romping. And all of a sudden, Ringo just guns down the bartender. And it just gets <laughs> really serious on a dime, which I think is interesting. Um... And well, I done. think it's interesting, but not successful. <laughs> so we just do not see eye to eye on this one. That's that's fine. I mean, I'm sure one day you'll watch it again. And well, hey, I mean, look at it this way. I really enjoyed, as ridiculous as it is, I enjoyed the horns of Nyman, and you do not. So, yeah, there's something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the more I watch Nyman, the more I, I think it's enjoyable, but I can't say it's great um, uh, at all. But I do like the Nyman. Um, <laughs> so that night, while everyone else is sleeping, Dodo demands that Doc Holliday take her back to Doomstone and does it at gunpoint. So, like she pulls out Doc Holliday's gun and points it at him and demands that she that he take her back to Tombstone, which I love as a moment only because it's like the only <laughs> Dodo moment that I can think of that's got some real character to it, especially because, like, as soon as Holiday acquiesces, she just drops the gun and says, okay, that was really nerve-wracking. Can you go get me a glass of water? Which I think is hilarious. Um, and uh, interesting from a character standpoint and kind of believable, because uh, she's not a gunslinging type. Sure. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> I love this. Meanwhile, the Doctor and Steven go downstairs the next morning and... And they walk into the bar, and they make it literally, like, halfway across the bar until the point where they're standing right next to him when they find the bartender still gunned down from where Johnny Ringo had gunned him down the night before. (laughs) And, like, I love that they don't even see him. Like, the bartender at this point is literally just splayed out on the bar. Just face down, bottles in hand, just completely dead as a doornail. And I just, I think that's hilarious. Um... (laughs) Well, you have and, a dark sense of humor, my friend. Well, it's only... I think it's... It's not hilarious that he died. I think it's hilarious because, like, they don't see him. Like, they come down the stairs, and they don't notice him until they're, like, pretty much right on top of him. Like, whoa! What is this? Um, It's just, like, classic 60s insanity that I kind of love. Um, Because it just... It doesn't make any sense. I, would, I mean, you'd think that would be the first thing you notice as you walk down the stairs. And surveying the area around you. I guess they just have tunnel vision. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, the Doctor and Steven meet up with Johnny Ringo. Uh, they don't realize it's Johnny Ringo. Well, the Doctor realizes it's Johnny Ringo, but doesn't say it to his face, so the Doctor gets to live. Um, and uh, they talk about something about what they want to do, and they're like, Oh, Doc Holliday stole our friend. We need to go find Doc Holliday. So Ringo and Steven head off to go find Dodo and Doc Holliday while the doctor goes to tell Wyatt Earp that Johnny Ringo's in town. And Earp freaks out, like just cannot handle the idea that Johnny Ringo's in town. So Earp and his one of his brothers go out with the doctor to find Johnny Ringo. And they leave Earp's youngest brother, Warren, in charge. And, uh, you know, while this is going on, Ringo and Steven arrive at the next town. Ringo meets up with Kate. They totally had relations once upon a time, uh, but not anymore. I guess they had a really bad breakup. And uh, Ringo takes Kate hostage, um, which, <laughs> it's silly. Meanwhile, back in the jail, the Clantons, some of the Clantons burst in to rescue their brother who got 
who got um, knocked out by by Wyatt Earp back at the beginning of the part, and they go, they just they just shoot and kill Warren Earp, release the Clanton in the cell, and leave Warren for dead. And I don't know. In terms of sheer escalation, I mean, you're going to disagree with me on this, but it's one of those moments that kind of feels like a turning point for the story, and really kind of makes me want to see what happens next because there's a reckoning coming. Um, I don't know. End of episode three. Yep. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Uh, meanwhile, back in the o- episode four, OK Corral, which, by the way, last episode, last episode to ever have episode titles. Yep. That weren't story titles until New Who. Um. Up until Aliens in London, really. Um. Uh, so last episode to have episode titles, uh, the OK Corral. Uh, the doctor and everyone lay a sheet over the bartender, which I suppose is a funeral service. And the Clantons uh, go back to their Clanton hideout and reveal that they shot and killed Warren Earp. And Pa Clanton is just angry because this now means that the Earps are going to be pissed off and wanting to kill the Clantons. And, um, and they start to figure out what to do next. Meanwhile, Warren dies in the arms of Wyatt Earp, so he wasn't dead at the end of Part 4, but now he is, which is completely historically inaccurate because Warren Earp died somewhere around 1899, not whenever this story took place near the OK Corral. Well, I'm pretty sure that Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday aren't, like, 60, so there's not a whole (laughs) lot of historical accuracy here. (laughs) I don't think anyone survived to 60 in the Old West. Um... Least of they all, were... least of all, a couple of gunslingers. So, just <laughs> there were few and far between. Yeah, just saying. Them, just saying. Them sixty-year-olds. Um, they were they were declared the chieftains of their town. Yeah. Fun little fact about westerns. Um, so uh, Wyatt Earp now loses his mind and is looking for revenge and tells his brother Virgil to go out to the Clanton residence and tell them to meet up at the OK Corral at sunrise. So Virgil arrives at Castle Clanton, gives his ultimatum, and the Clantons are like, we'll be there. And Ringo, who wasn't hiding, emerges after Virgil leaves and gives a plan, which which is that he'll take the herbs from behind while the Clantons take them from the front. So, unbeknownst to them... Unbeknownst to the Earps, Johnny Ringo is going to be there, and instead of it just being two Earps versus three Clantons, it's going to be uh, three Earps and a Clanton versus two Earps, which is or three Clantons and a Ringo versus two Earps. Um, which is I'm unfair. pretty sure you just confused our audience with math. Just then. that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I like to think that our audience can do math. Um, <laughs> things we disagree on. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, this episode sucks, and our audience can't do math. <laughs> Bold statements, my friend. Bold <laughs> statements. Um, so, uh, 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 while this is going on, Virgil returns to the jail. He says that he didn't see any sign of he didn't see Johnny Ringo, but he did see that Stephen and Kate are both held at the Clan, at Castle Clanton, and that Johnny Ringo's horse was there. But he didn't see Johnny Ringo, so there's no promise that Johnny Ringo will actually be there. Um, I don't know. Seems like a dead giveaway. But <laughs> who am I? Um, then Doc Holliday enters, held at gunpoint by Dodo, who clearly doesn't know anything about gun safety because she is just waving that thing around. Um. Holiday finds out about Kate being held by the Clantons, says, I'm going to be there at the shootout, and um, is like, I'll hold up the rear and make sure that you guys aren't covered from behind. Meanwhile, the Doctor heads out to try and talk the Clantons out of the shootout, but leaves too late and arrives just after the Clantons leave, so he can't warn them that Holiday is there as the Werps trump card. And Paul Clanton... Like is just losing his mind now because he's like, oh no, I can't, I can't, I can't do anything about this. And there's a part where Steven says to the doctor, Johnny Ringo's gonna be there, and Boss Clan says one more word out of you, boy, and and it's and it's and it's metal for you, which is just his way of saying I'm gonna shoot you, and. I- I just think that's hilarious because it's like Steven just shouted the thing that matters at all and Paul Clanton's like not shooting him for that. So good on ya. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, the two teams mount up into place. Uh, the Clantons and the Clantons arrive and uh, dismount by the OK Corral and Ringo runs up, uh, goes into hiding to take the herbs from behind. So the herbs show up and the, and, and the, 
the Clantons open fire, and there's this random shot of the Earps just calmly walking towards the Clantons as they open fire on them, not taking any cover, which seems a little silly to me. Um, someone starts shooting at me, I take cover. Uh, but who am I? Um, so Ringo comes up behind Doc Holliday, who's coming up from the shadows, um, and Dodo yells out to Holiday, but Holiday manages to um, to get the drop on him, and Holiday takes out Johnny Ringo with a couple shots, and it's a, and we get the main shootout where the Earps kill all the Clantons, and that's the end. And I don't know, you're going to disagree with me probably, but I love this shootout a lot. Um, I think it's genius. So, okay. Fair. Did you not? No. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> sorry. Oh my god. Oh god. I'm I mean, I would sorry. Do... <laughs> well, I'd YouTube it, but um, uh, BBC blocked this one, so sorry. Everyone, go watch it or not. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I love this shootout. I think it's brilliant. I think it's thrilling and exciting and exactly... It makes me want to go watch every other Western that's ever been made. Um, uh, that's me. Uh, I'm not so going to yeah. lie. I think I think you mostly ruined this story for me by saying... By calling it Back to the Future 3. Hmm. I think that hmm. ruined this story for me. Because I went in thinking Back to the Future 3 and this is not Back to the Future 3. Well, I go to it. Uh, I go to it from a like a tone place. I don't like, even think it matches the tone personally. Well, Back to the Future Three is very much in the vein of like just having a lot of fun in a Western setting um, and going with the tropes and silly styles of it all. And that's, I mean, it's really all the story does in in a in a lot of ways. I mean, it just reminds me. It it's a lot closer to something like back, like in terms of if you had to classify Westerns as ridiculous fun or, you know, the serious brooding of Unforgiven, I mean, it's a lot closer to the serious fun in every stretch, in every sense of the word. So. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's all your fault. God damn it. (laughs) All our audience should go do math right now. Um, I don't even know what that means. Um, so Holiday takes out two others, everyone goes down, and the shootout's over, and then the Doctor and co. head back to the TARDIS, off onto their next adventure, which we'll talk about eventually. Um, and that's the Gunfighters. So... So it was. So it was. So yay. I'm gonna make you watch this again, but it's gonna be a while. It'll never happen. That's not true at all. I'm not gonna watch this again. Really? Yeah. Never. No, I have no interest. (laughs) This is one of those stories where I have no interest in ever seeing it again, like Vengeance on Veros. Wow. Yeah, I have no interest, ever. Wow, Veros-level hatred. Yeah, I really didn't like this. Like, it's wow. not even, it's not even, it's not, it's not the level of that. It's just, I have zero interest in ever watching it again. It's just, it, I didn't find it entertaining at all. I was bored. Hmm. Yeah. And I, and, I think... and and slightly embarrassed for watch being this like using this story as like the first classic story that Bethany ever watched. That's uh, I'm sorry. I was like really embarrassed. I was like, ah, I'm sorry that this is happening. Please don't judge the show on this episode. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you'll. I mean, I'd say watch it again, and you're not going to do this. Uh, watch it again, like if you ever watch Doctor Who all in order. I think you'd like it more. Um, after watching a bunch more Doctor Who and then watching it in order, like it just it just works. I don't know. It just works for me, huh? Like really works and does a lot for me. It makes me love westerns. That's interesting. Nice. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, if you go, especially if you look at season three, like season three is so all over the map, like just ridiculous. It's ridiculous when you start to look at what happens in season three and how the show is just messing with its own structure every week. Um, and does a Western. I mean, that's just, it's just weird and unique and it's, I don't know, it's a lot of fun. 
Um, also, you know what? We haven't talked about this, but good lord, were the American accents the worst I've ever heard. Sure, but I, that doesn't detract anything from me. <laughs> it, is when, it does when it's a Western. I guess, but like the Western, the, the accents were really bad and good, the bad, the ugly. Well, that was, <laughs> that was dubbed. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they were still bad. I don't know. Like these were these were so bad because it was like it it was like they weren't even trying because you they still sounded British. A lot of them did. Sure. Um as as an interesting thing though, and maybe this is just because I've watched way too much Doctor Who slash other British television. I'm starting to not hear British accents very much. If they're like, you know, the standard generic London British accent, I don't hear it anymore. I don't think that's weird, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, I'm just I I've, I've been watching some British stuff lately, and I'm just like, this doesn't really feel like British. <laughs> I don't hear it. Uh, all right, that's weird. Well, uh, next week we're going to talk about the next Doctor, which is the Tenant story. Yeah, the Christmas special. Yes, from two thousand eight. Yes, yes, with the Cybermen. That one. Yeah. <laughs> I have this and weird the hot thing air where I'm just, yeah, yeah, that one, that one. Um, I have this weird feeling wherever I hear the next Doctor, I'm like, what was that? Because it's such like it's. I don't think it's a bad title. It's just such a ridiculously generic title. It's. But, I do think it's a bad title because huh. I think I, I. I mean, I guess we'll talk about this next week, but why not talk about it now? Um, <laughs> it's. I think it's a bad title because it means nothing. Because it's 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 literally like Russell T Davies faking out the audience by titling the episode that, because it means nothing as far as the episode is it, it, like after you watch the episode the title means nothing. It was only titled that for hype before the episode. That's it. Okay, that, yeah, that makes no. it a bad title. <laughs> that's fine. That's yeah. fine. So you know, that's how I feel about it. Uh, no, that's 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 right. I can't argue that at all. <laughs> it's also tremendously generic. It feels like it it's is. any sort of Doctor Who episode. Same with Planet of the Dead. Yeah, that one's not. That the one doesn't well, make any sense either, really. Well, that's just because, like, any like if you look, there's like there are two stories within two seasons of each other that use the word planet in them. Planet of Evil and, um, damn. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember. I don't remember. But it feels like, like, there's always, around the Hinchcliffe Holmes era, there's always, like, a planet or uh, evil in the title. And so it's so weirdly generic. Well, remember, do you remember when when it was announced that um, the special after that would be called uh, Waters of Mars, and everyone was like, it's an anagram for War of the Masters. <laughs> do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, I wonder, that's weird, I wonder what that means. And like, yeah, no, it was just, it didn't mean anything. That was just a coincidence, <laughs> and it was just, or and like, or was it a coincidence? I don't know, maybe, maybe he did it on purpose, again, just to hype people up. You know, and like he's just yeah. like, what what story could I do that I could call the waters of Mars? <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's uh kind of disingenuous as a title. I mean, well, I mean, I love the title Waters of Mars, but in terms of anagram, I think people, I think that just means that people need to sometimes not read into things so much. Well, to be fair, <laughs> Russell T Davies does love his anagrams. He really does. He really does. <laughs> yeah. He made a whole spin-off series based on anagrams. Yeah. 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 He did. Yeah. He did. That's the thing that happened. Also, things that happen, uh, the internet happens and you're on it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. Nice segue. High five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> So where can people find you on that thing you're on sometimes? Uh, people can find me on that thing I'm on sometimes on Twitter, which is a thing that's on the thing place. Um, 
Uh, Twitter.com slash Dane, which is where I tweet. Um, I also have an alternate Twitter account, GD Commentary, where I live tweet some stuff. Might do something this weekend because I'm pulling something off the Netflix queue to watch because I won't have any Netflix movies uh, while I wait for them to show up on Monday or Tuesday. Um, so that might happen. Might live tweet. Promise vaguely something. Uh, Sunday Trek, we've been on a hiatus. Uh, last week, scheduling conflicts made it not happen. This week might not happen as well because i have a scheduling conflict it's my fault um uh so so that thing gd commentary for that also scott's is scott commentary and cassandra my girlfriend she also joins in hello cassandra uh is a commentary chick um also my classic doctor who blog where i review classic stories last week i did the 10th planet if you if you haven't read that go read it it's fun i talk about cool things uh and this week i did time of the ronnie which I'm I literally so lost. sorry. <laughs> Did you read it? I literally lost interest halfway through. No, I haven't read it yet. I'm going to, though, because I can't wait. Uh, well, here's my thing. I've long said that Time of the Ronnie is one of the hands-down worst Doctor Who stories ever made. Uh, disagree. Don't, I don't I don't really think it is. I think it's just generic and bland to the point of just awful. And they made some bad choices that really don't help that. Um but in the end, I literally just don't care about it, which is even worse than making something that's horrible. Um, but I mean, I I do think that story is probably unfairly maligned to the extent that it is maligned, but it still is worth maligning. Do you so. do you like the wardrobe sequence in which Sylvester McCoy wears every other doctor's outfit? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think it's. That's I think it's right. good. That's about yeah. right. I mean, I mean, I like it. I like it from a purely like fan wanky standpoint. Yeah. But beyond that, it's literally just like I don't know. I mean, my problem with it at the end of the day, my problem with Time of the Ronnie is just like it is not a good introduction for a Doctor. No. It is terrible use of the Ronnie. Um, is there a who, good use of the Ronnie? No, that is that is that is uh, that is a no. Okay. Um, <laughs> could, it's, there it's also, it, could there be? Could there be? Sure, just not with that character. Um, so uh, it's it's not it's just woefully generic, and it, there's nothing special about it, and it's vague and unrefined and cheap looking and not a good introduction for the Doctor and not a good story for Mel. It's just it's just a completely mediocre, like. Absolutely 100% mediocre with some really bad parts, which makes people think that it's bad because apathy makes people hate more. So that's true. I don't know. I'd give it like a three out of 10. Um, so that's not fair. good. That's fair. Not good. But it's not like, I mean, I could give it a four, but I don't know if I like, if I hate fours that much. So um, <laughs> podcast listeners who get math will get the joke. Um so oh, so yeah, God. time of the running. If you're interested, go check it out. I apologize if it sucks. Um, I just didn't care after a while. So that. All right. Uh, well, I'm Twitter.com/slash Scott Corelli, and as Matt mentioned earlier, Twitter.com/slash Scott Commentary, where I live tweet Sunday Trek among other things. Uh, as soon as I have a chance, I'm going to do a live tweet of Midnight Run. I still haven't watched it. It's been sitting next to my TV for like oh, two weeks. Kind of a blast, dude. Uh, I can't wait to watch it. I just I've had zero free time, and it's awful, and I want to die. Uh, in other better news, uh, there's this podcast called Movie Night at Geek Show, though not for long, and <laughs> and this which month, is unfortunate. And this which, month we're doing Alfred Hitchcock. It's sad that it's ending because we literally did one of our best episodes this week. Yeah, which was Psycho. Yeah, that was a really good episode. Last yeah. week we talked about. Vertigo. This week was Psycho. Next week is Rear Window, which should also be a really good episode. Hell yeah. Because I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Not pretty sure like like Matt was pretty sure I was going to like the gunfighters. I'm pretty sure he's going to like Rear Window for <laughs> realsies. Well, it's, I, I, I keep forgetting to mention this, but I'll mention it here because I don't know if it's ever going to come up on that podcast. But it always strikes me as weird that we're doing Vertigo, Rear Window, Psycho, and North by Northwest. <laughs> that <laughs> is really like, funny. <laughs> every time you say it, I'm always like, one of these things is not like the other. Well, I don't think there – is there something that would have been like the others? I don't know. 39 Steps? Nope. That's not right. Um, 
Uh, I don't know. Isn't there? I can, isn't there like? What is, what's the one where he blows up the the baby and the dog? I don't know. And, I and then that. vowed never to do that again. <laughs> I don't know. I that's seen that that's one. a real. That's a real thing. Uh, I don't remember which one that is, but I think it ended with a O sound. I'm pretty sure it did. Well, well, there's shadow of a doubt, so we could call it a doubt, comma, shadow of or something. <laughs> that still doesn't work. Sh- no, I mean, I mean, of a doubt, comma, shadow. There we there go. There you go. <laughs> much better. Much better. Yeah, I, I totally solved the world is what I did. Yeah. Solved the world. Yeah. Good, good work. So, yeah, next Doctor next week. Uh, the week after that will be... Oh, goodness. Oh, Delta and the Bannerman, which I have not seen, so... Hopefully that's good. Um, and then the week after that is the long game with Eccleston. So we'll see how that goes. That'll be interesting. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, uh, there you go. And uh, so next week we'll you'll, we'll be talking about uh, the next Doctor. Also, apologies for this episode being late. Yes. It Things just happened. Yeah. It was not intentional. Apologies. So anyway, all right. We will. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>